Shalom, and welcome to the Pardes Center for Jewish Educators podcast series, Chanukah, Pesach, and Purim, Walk Into a Bar. Each episode, Rabbi Svi Hirschfeld will be joined by guest educators who will reveal the deeper meaning for each festival or year cycle event. The Talmud says when wine enters, secrets come out. So prepare to be intoxicated as our great educators each bring a text with them that encapsulates the spiritual essence and holy work of that time of year that will change our and our students' lives forever. Welcome to the bar. Hello, everybody. Welcome to, I believe this is our final one in the cycle. We're still debating about Yomat's mode, but uh, welcome to another wonderful episode of Hanukkah, Pesach, and Purim. Walk into a bar. They're still out of order. They're still, for every reason, going into a bar, which we're not trying to encourage necessarily, but there they are. Uh, and I am joined today. My name is Tzvi Hirschfield. I'm a teacher here at the Pardes Institute, and I am joined by two outstanding educational leaders and thinkers. We have Susan Yammer with us today, an experienced classroom teacher who now works at Pardes as a teaching coach uh, and helps uh, uh, educators grow into better educators. And we have, uh, to my left, Penny Joel, who is the director of the Pardes Experiential Educators Program. I could get that out. Uh, uh, an accomplished educator herself. Uh, both of them use text and use text creatively uh, and have a lot to say about how you might help your students or participants or colleagues uh, make a deeper connection to uh, the holidays that are really almost upon us. So, after that wonderful and lengthy introduction, uh, we're going to start with uh, our friend Susan Yammer. Susan, what have you brought to us today uh, to discuss Sukkot? Do you just want to do something about, normally do like just a couple of things about Sukkot, like Sukkot's coming up. Okay. We're going to do their like. All right. Ready? Sure. Okay. Uh, Sukkot, even though because we haven't hit Rosh Hashanah, Sukkot feels like it's months and months away, Sukkot actually shows up a mere four or five days after Yom Kippur. So uh, imagine if you're teaching the holidays now or you're thinking about the Chagim, uh, now in this month of Elul is our time to really think about and prepare for all of them. So don't let Sukkot sneak up on you. Uh, enjoy the podcast and start thinking about Sukkot in addition to Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. Okay, Susan, we're ready for you. Um, okay, so this is an easy one for me because far and away Sukkot is my most favorite Chag of the year. Um, that could be because I'm from New England and I love this season anyway. Um, but it's also, I think, something actually touches on Penny's field of experiential education. For me, this is the most um, all-embracing physical chag that we have. And I always loved the Sefer HaChinuch source where it coordinates the... Um, the etrog, the, the arba minim with different parts of the body. I mean, the etrog to the heart and the lulav to the backbone and the hadas to the eyes and the aravot to the lips. Um, and on top of that, there is the immersive sense of actually being in a sukkah where you are so literally, it's time and space come together in fulfilling the mitzvah. So as a teacher, beyond the personal 
um, inspiration I get from this Chag, I always try and, first of all, be in a sukkah with my students. Whether it's inviting them to my sukkah or going to the school sukkah, but being surrounded by a sukkah has always been the most important part of the experience and having the students, it's so easy to have the students participate at whatever level, whatever age, with decorating and um, just experiencing being in a sukkah. It's so immersive. It's, very, it's a very easy way for students to feel connected. It's always also at the beginning of the year where we begin to feel like a community. So being able to decorate whatever we do for a sukkah. It can be our sukkah, and then we're surrounded by the sukkah. It's, uh, for me, a very community-building activity as well. Yeah. Um, one of the things that I think it's um, indicative of, at least in educational settings, is that um, what your setting looks like is very impactful. Right. So one of the things you're talking about is going into a sukkah that you've either decorated or your students decorated or that you could decorate. Yeah. Um, and I think that that's a message that you could even take back to a classroom mm-hmm. of it's important how your surroundings look. Um, and what it feels like, and even having that discussion with students when you're sitting in the sukkah versus when you're sitting in the classroom, yeah. what's different, why is it different? Um, or when you're sitting in the sukkah, the conversation of why is it different sitting in a sukkah or sitting in your dining room? Right. Um, it might have all the same things, right? There are four walls around you, there's a table, there are chairs, but still it doesn't feel the same. Why yeah. is that? And, and what is that trying to tell us about the experience of sitting in a sukkah? Right. Um, so um, I think that that's one of the more powerful experiences. In general, Judaism is immersive. Yeah. Uh, and holidays are like that. Sukkot, I feel, has many aspects of that. Definitely. Um, yeah. And the idea also of that we invite people into our sukkah, like either Ushpizen or other ah, right. physical That really people. builds off of this whole idea of community and being open and mm-hmm. inviting them. Participatory, Yes. So I was wondering if you could follow up a little bit. So the idea that the lulav symbolizes our, or the lulav is our spine and the etrog is our heart and hadas is our eyes and our, our, our lips. And we're using these as instruments of prayer. I was just sort of wondering what you think the takeaway is, why we want to symbolize our bodies when we are, talk, when it is, when we are in, you know, in a moment of prayer. You mean we're holding it and we sh- and we're in a prayerful right. what position. Right. What does it take away yeah. from that, do you think? That's a really good, that's a really wonderful point. I think it connects to kavanah. I think it's one of the aspirations we have I th- um, in davening with students that they're being present in their whole physical as well as spiritual self and they... That could even be, I never thought of this before, but it could even be a way of helping them focus when they hold our batmini first on the, their heart, on their backbone, on their eyes, on their lips. It's, it could be a way of directing their physical body into the f- spiritual position of prayer. Then that could really be helpful, actually, while they hold it. Wow. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think that there's, there's a message there about... Uh, this sense, which you said really earlier, that you know, religion or spirituality is not like a separation from the body, but you're supposed to bring your body right. into it. And I think Sukkot, as Penny mentioned, there's so much uh, 
tangible stuff going on, you know, especially after Yom Kippur, where it's like the step out of physicality mm-hmm. uh, in certain ways. This idea that we're really embracing our our physicality, right? The, the mitzvot that we perform in the sukkah are eating and sleeping. Two of my favorites. By the way, the only time <laughs> I believe in Judaism where you get a mitzvah for sleeping. Yeah. So I kind of wish it was Sukkot every day. But, right. Uh, right? So it's it's the most physical in a way, right? And it really is Definitely. this self, taking these very day-to-day bodily activities, I think, and uh, bringing them uh, into this, uh, this spiritual place. So it's really very meaningful. Yeah, and as as an educator, it, you're always looking for opportunities f- for involving the whole student. Um, the, e- there's, it's just so ripe for the picking. There's so many things you can bring to to the students to experience, and for them to bring home to their families. And I think it's one of the richest opportunities as an educator to. You're saying the etrog is right for the picking. Yes. Your, uh, yes. Yes. Okay. As I was saying it, I realized that, that is was fantastic. a little bit of. <laughs> wow. Right that, that's what comes with preparation, folks. Yeah. That's that's how we uh, we get that in there. Yeah. Okay. Are we ready to turn our attention towards our friend and colleague Penny Joel? Sure. Um, in in thinking about different texts for Sukkot. Um, I was really looking for something that was more about agriculture, but didn't find anything that really um, clicked with me. Uh, so instead, I went to a, a favorite of mine, um, which is the Midrash in Vayikra that talks about how the Lulav represents different types of people in the Jewish world. Um, and it talks about how the Etrog has um, both taste and smell, and that taste represents learning and smell represents good deeds. And... Um, the lulav has taste but not smell, uh, so that represents learning. And the myrtle has smell and no taste, so that represents good deeds. And the willow has neither. Um, and the idea that all of these things represent different types of people, the person who was both learned and good deeds, the person who is only learned, the person who only does good deeds, and the person who does neither of those. And what, we, what do we do with those four different things? We hold them together, and they have to be together for us to be able to use them. Just lo- using a lulav without the myrtle or the willow is not doing what we're supposed to be doing. And the idea then that all of this is representing that these are all people who are part of the Jewish people, are part of B'nai Israel, and that message of unity, we we don't. They don't all do the same things. Some of them don't do any of these things, but they're still part of that whole, part of that community. Um, and this idea, especially um, for students to learn, is super important um, and creates an opportunity to talk about what community looks like, um, how you deal with people who are different with you for, than you, and what you um, want that community to look like. That you want. It seems from this that we want that community to be together regardless of the people who are doing both good deeds and learning, the people who are only learning, the people who are only doing good deeds, the people who are doing nothing. Um, And all of those together really represent how we want, how we should treat our community, that we should treat it with an embracing hand, with something like that. Um, And I think when you talk to students about that and have a conversation or even have them decide, tell them, you know, smell represents um, good deeds and taste represents learning. Now examine these different elements of the Lulav and Etrog, the Arba Minim, mm-hmm. and 
which ones do you think go where? Um, what works with which and why are we holding them together? And you can even, I think, go further and just have them figure out how you would hold them, right? Because that's not easy either, holding the Arab Armenian together unless you have like, super large hands. <laughs> it's slightly awkward. Um, so talking about that and what that's like, that that's a struggle. Um, and so we also struggle with keeping our community together and how we can work with that. So I think that that's a great opening for a myriad of both conversations um, and like plans you can take with your class or with the group of students that you're working with about, okay, now that we know this, how do we actualize that in our lives? What can we do differently or what can we put in place that will um, foster a community like this? Kind of builds on what I was saying or at least expands the whole idea of creating community using Sukkot. Um, as a gateway for talking about community, both experiencing it individually with our individual selves and bodies and each other and the differences that we have with each other and, 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 and that we're better together. Right, and then what, when I... If that's a song, we're better together. I'm sure it is. Yeah. What I also think is interesting is that both Sukkot and Pesach have this element of community. Yeah. Um, in that, for Sukkot, we have the sukkah, and right. we symbolically invite people, and also people invite right. people. Right. And for Pesach, we're sharing the carbon Pesach with yeah. people. It's not just, I'm on my own eating my carbon Pesach. Right. Um, and, and that also is, like, re-emphasizing. You need the people around you. That's important. And also, I think it's the only chag with the mitzvah of... Um, the uh, the, to, to be happy, simcha, yeah. right? Or extra simcha. To be extra simcha, which is um, a wonderful kind of cap over this. Why is this chag specifically imbued with joy? I think maybe it's to some of the things, reasons that you were talking about, about community. Yeah. You know, it, it occurs to me, though, the whole idea of holding all this diversity together, like, on the one hand, you could see that as a celebration of diversity, but I think it also raises the question, so what does hold all these different people together? What mm-hmm. what are they sharing? And that's sometimes a question we are afraid of, mm-hmm. because we're very afraid there won't be an answer, right? right? It'll be like, oh, actually, nothing. <laughs> uh, but I think it's a question we have to ask, uh, and I think educationally it's a really important question, especially in a pluralistic school. You know, we talk about our differences a lot, and we're very aware of them, and you pray this way, and I pray that way, and I do kashrut this way and you don't do it that way and however everybody's doing all their different things, uh, I think it's important to raise the question, okay, but then what is, other than the fact we all happen to be here, what is it that connects us beyond the fact we all claim we're Jewish? Is there something, is there content behind that that uh, we all connect to uh, and we all care about? And I think that that's a really important question to ask. Like, what's, what's the glue? Mm-hmm. Even though we're not, we don't use glue to hold our glue left together, although it might make it more convenient. Uh, I Sometimes it takes two hands to hold them together. Uh, usually it does. Yeah. Uh, or it depends, right? Yeah. Right. Uh, but I think that that's a really important question we shouldn't be afraid of asking. Uh, what is it that connects us and what are we all about? Because with the Lulav, right, we, being, we, being, we bring all these different things together, but then we use them uh, in a certain way. Uh, and I think that uh, that's a really important question that uh, we should be asking. Right, and I think the fact that we do use them, and it's not just that we have these Arab meanings sitting at a table, um, I think that that's important in showing, like, there, there needs to be a common mission, right? There needs to be that thing in common, right? So these Arab meanings are used in X way. It's not just we picked four random things and 
look, we're going to connect them, and isn't that lovely? We'll put them in a vase, and it's beautiful. Um, but they have a purpose. So I think to your point, Svi, the idea of finding what what is that purpose? What is that commonality um, that makes us part of this whole, even being our own pieces? And I don't. I think a teacher can pose that question to a classroom and not necessarily have the answer him or herself, but the the classroom itself can grapple with that and could have some really beautiful results mm-hmm. with the whole challenge of finding that. So since both of you chose the Lulav, I will switch gears. Impromptu, <laughs> Ruvain's our editor. Moderator. Our moder- no, I'm a moderator. Gosh. Producer. Producer. Hey, oh, you heard him, folks. He's on the tape. <laughs> uh, he's our producer. Uh, so the, the Talmud emphasizes over and over again that a sukkah is a dirat arai. It's a temporary dwelling. Uh, I want to make the joke about corned beef arai, but I will not do that. Just did. So, well, he can edit it out. Uh, so as it, and, and this sense of arai-ness, a sense of temporariness, is expressed through the schach, the roof, where that's where the, really, the rules of building the sukkah really come up, that they can't be a finished product and it can't be thick boards and so on and so on. It's this very temporary covering. And we know it's this very temporary, really not completely useful covering because of the discussion about how much shade, how much sun. We all know when it rains, it's not a terribly effective structure. You get wet, that's why we go inside. Uh, and I think it's an interesting question. Why are we emphasizing all that? What, what's the lesson there? And so uh, there's a debate between Rabbi Akiva and Rabbi uh, Eliezer about what is symbolized by the roof. Uh, and the opinion that we actually follow is that the roof does, symbolizes the Ananeha Kavod, the clouds of glory that protected the Jews in the desert. With the message being, I think, that uh, we're meant to sort of understand where does our real protection come from? What really assures our safety? Uh, and the, the religious message is, of course, it's God. But even if one doesn't want to go that way, the idea that uh, I am not really in control and I cannot really assure my own safety all the time, I think is an important thing to sort of accept <coughs> our limits. But the interesting part is uh, you can accept your limits with a big frown and being resigned and depressed. Ugh, I'm so limited. I can't really fix everything. I can't control everything. But uh, it turns out, if you go back, right, the clouds of glory weren't just, ugh, that's all we have, but we act be- through our dependence on God, we achieve intimacy and gratitude. And I think that's a really powerful lesson that we can learn, that ultimately the only way we can really feel tremendous gratitude uh, towards another person is if we acknowledge we need them. And I think that as a cultural message, you know, many of us Growing up in the States, this idea was you should be independent, stand on your own two feet. To be strong means you don't need anybody, you're not vulnerable. And I think that uh, the, the message here, and I think it's throughout Judaism really, is know that vulnerability uh, and being needy actually opens up the possibility of relationship. Uh, and you can feel taken care of. Uh, and you can feel loved uh, precisely because you're needy and vulnerable. And uh, I think that there's a really powerful question to ask students or even adults. Who are those people you need in your life? Who, what are the things that you rely on? And when you make that list and you realize, wow, I'm so blessed to have all these people and things in my life uh, that take care of me and look out for me and care about me, you know, you've taken that vulnerability uh, and turned it into this moment of gratitude uh, and intimacy. 
And ultimately, what Tzadok Cohen says, that's the a Hasidic teacher, that's the secret of the simcha, the joy that we feel on Sukkot, is the joy of intimacy and gratitude. So we have to leave our fixed structures that make us feel safe and protected and powerful and in control and uh, go out into that space that's temporary and exposed and uh, I think learn the lesson from that, to let us allow ourselves to be needy and vulnerable uh, and, and take that into a space of gratitude. Wow. No, I was wondering how I could ask you this question. I always wondered um, the connection with Kohelet and uh, the word Hevel that appears constantly, which really means kind of breath and temporariness. Uh, so I'm asking, what? How could you connect that to what you are? Well, what you, you just, just said, said it, right? Owning yeah. or realizing our temporary frailty is yeah. what opens up this other spiritual possibility. And Kohelet really kind of looks at the physicality and says that's not all there well, is. Well, everything. Right? In the end, right. we don't really right. have the ultimate right. in our grasp or control. Yeah. We can't fix everything, control everything. We can't, even at the end of the day, solve this mystery of life, how to make it all work out. Yeah. So I actually see a connection between all of us because I started with the individual person and his or her body. You moved to communal. the communal, and then you moved to how this community can be enriched by one another and find out that that's like the most important thing seems to connect to me in my mind. <laughs> wow, that's so weird. Maybe these, the Lulav and the Sukkah have something in common with each other. That would be really exciting. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, I also think that idea of vulnerability is important for students um, mm. because sometimes there are students who are perfectionist students or who think that they need to know everything. They have to get 100. They have to, whatever it is. Um, and this is a good example of that. that's not how, what we think. That's not what we're expecting, nor should we expect perfection. Um, but it's about learning what you do need um, and figuring out how to get that um, from other people around you or asking for help or things like that. And I think the lesson of asking for help is huge for kids. Yeah. Beautiful. Okay. Okay, so I'm going to go around and we're going to ask each of you what your own personal aspiration for uh, what you, how do you want to come out of this Sukkot different from how you came in, right? That's really the question. What, it doesn't have to be a huge thing, but something transformative you'd like to see happen on Sukkot. Who wants to go first? They're, they're giving me these looks. Um, I would like to be very present with my whole self when I'm sitting in the Sukkot and really feel... Anane Hashem. The clouds of God. Yeah. Beautiful. Um, I would like to come out of Sukkot um, with a feeling of um, appreciating the communities around me, uh, made up of lots of different people from lots of different places, um, and um, just having a sense of the strengths that all of those communities give to each other. I want to feel simcha. I want to feel the joy. You know, I often associate holidays with a lot of work. There's getting the sukkah materials down and putting it up. There's buying the lulav and there's 
all the, the all the food shopping and the food preparation and the hosting, and uh, I really don't love sleeping out there so much. I mos- don't like the mosquitoes, and they they seem to like me. However, <laughs> so in a way, like I get very hung up or focused on all the ways that it's difficult or challenging, and I would like to somehow find within all that uh, the joy. You know, I really would like to to find the simcha. Uh, in all of these, it's like almost like the spiritual messages exist in one place, and my actual experience of the holiday exists somewhere else. And I would like them to uh, get together and meet, maybe in a bar, like uh, Purim <laughs> and Pesach and Hanukkah. You know, however that's going to work out. But uh, these are beautiful ideas, and I think uh, for teachers and listeners out there, uh, I can assure you, we weren't up all night, you know, planning and preparing, right? It's, it's, it's not a matter of that you can go into these holidays, you don't need hours and hours of time. But at the same time, you know, to go in with a little forethought, a little preparation, a little sense of what you want to achieve, I think can make a really big difference both in your classroom, in your own experience of the holiday. Uh, and I think that's ideally, right, what education is supposed yeah, to do. Definitely. It's supposed to make a difference uh, in how we live these things, not just how we think about them. Uh, so we really appreciate you taking the time to listen. Uh, we love to hear your feedback and suggestions. Ruvain loves it in particular. If you would write him really lengthy emails about all the things as a producer he could do differently, that would be fantastic. But uh, I want to close, and we, on behalf of all of us, right, we wish you uh, a joyous and meaningful uh, season of these wonderful Chagim, uh, and we hope you come out of all of uh, these Chagim really wonderfully transformed in a positive direction. So thank you very much for listening, and uh, thank you for joining us. For more great content, go to elmad.pardes.org. See you next time.